Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Welcome in to another edition of Upper Quartile. I'm James Boyd alongside Jim Aiello, and we have a lot to discuss regarding the Colts. I mean, it's not as much fireworks as it was last time, Jim, but I guess there's more positive fireworks this week, starting with Anthony Richardson, who looked pretty good over the weekend. I was not going to give too much credence to it Saturday because he's with the second unit, but then Sunday he's with the first unit and he had his best day of camp so far. So I guess we can begin there because obviously amid all the Jonathan Taylor stuff, the Shaq injury recovery, Shane Steichen, new head coach, Jim Irsay's comments, whatever, the main guy, the most important guy on that football field is still Anthony Richardson. And he finally looks like he's turning a corner, should I say? I don't want to, like, you know, put too much out there and say he's going to be the next, you know, league MVP in his rookie season. But he doesn't look the part. Yeah, I mean, something to understand <laughs> that. But, Jim, he looked the part. And, and I think that's that's probably, like, the first time where I was like, okay, now it really feels like it makes sense. Okay, this is why they chose him. This is why they – invested so much in him, why they're so high on him. And he had a really good day overall, had some good touch throws and things like that. We can get more into it, but it was one where I left feeling like, okay, this is a, this is a dude. You said no fireworks. And I was like, man, I don't know if you were on Twitter over the weekend, there were <laughs> the, Anthony Richardson fireworks were going off, man. It was, uh, again, as somebody who wasn't there, it was more just kind of observing from what, what fans were seeing, what you guys were seeing, all that stuff standing on Twitter. And it was pretty exciting. I do like that, though. You can tell how immersed you've been in this uh, Anthony Richardson stuff because you said he finally turned a corner. Like, finally, he's like he's like 10 practices in to his first <laughs> training camp. Like, I mean, but again, you've been watching him so much. You've been everything in your head has been Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson. And yeah. like, it's nice to see that it's justified a little bit, I would think, on your end. And, and that, like, hey, like, this isn't just a lot of hype because... We were talking about this the other day. Like there was a national reporter who was there not that long ago and saw Anthony Richardson and was like, oh, he had a really good practice. And then I talked to you and a couple of other of my friends on the beat still. And you guys were like, he was fine. He was probably not that good. But like there's a lot of hype right now. And, and so it was cool to see that it was a little bit justified this weekend. Oh, absolutely. I don't mean like finally in a bad way. It was just, no, I know. You know, and, and I guess I'll, I'll just uh, tell the listeners out there, don't take it too seriously. But I'm saying that because to me, it wasn't necessarily a drop off because he's had like pretty good days and then he'll have like a day where it's like, man, I don't want to say regress, but he's just been sort of inconsistent. But I felt like he had two back to back really good days the first time throughout camp. And you want to see that going into your third week of camp. And again, he made some throws, made some plays and just looked in command of the offense. And to me, it really starts to feel like, you know, this idea of him starting week one, I know people have been clamoring for it. And I've always kind of been very, very cautious because I'm like, and the gap is huge, but 
you know, I feel like he's taking some strides forward and Gardner has kind of just been Gardner. Like he hasn't been lighting it up in camp. He hasn't been bad, but he also isn't giving you that wow factor like an Anthony Richardson. And you just hope that the stuff that, that can't be taught with him, you know, the arms, the legs, all that stuff can be paired with eventually learning the stuff that can be taught because if you can learn the touch to read defenses, the timing, those things, you know, the sky's the limit for that kid. But it was a good weekend for him for sure. But again, I wasn't even like paying too much attention to it with the second unit on Saturday. I was like, okay, like sure. And then he was like, you know, I guess he was like, James, watch this because he came out and played really well Sunday. So yeah. Let me ask you about the throws. I mean, obviously I think the, like you kind of talked, touched on it was the touch throw and fitting it in some tight windows and making those kind of things. But let's kind of break down the play for me a little bit in the, you know, was it first read? Is it second read? Was he stepping up in the pocket? Like, I think you and I talked about in the last podcast we did here, it was, you know, one of the things I really liked about him is how well he navigates the pocket and how well he avoids sacks. Those are the things that he really did at Florida really, really well at a high level. It's why one of the reasons I'm so encouraged by his, you know, what he can be in the NFL. So, you know, obviously outside of dropping the throw in a bucket and again, Everybody can get excited about that. Accuracy is a big deal, all that stuff. Tell me about the throw in terms of like, was it, yeah, do, do you know if it was a first read or a second read and, and, and was he navigating the pocket? And Yeah, just drive it a little bit more. The throw that I really highlighted in my story was the one to Alec Pierce. And this is the one that Shane Steichen kind of talked about. It was in the two-minute drill, which really was like a minute. It was like you got 46 seconds on the clock and you're just outside the red zone. So maybe like 35 yards and you got to get down there and score and uh, do a two two point conversion and he did it and you know scored in two plays and then had a two point conversion it was three plays total back to back to back where he handed one off on an RPO run to uh, Jake Funk got a huge chunk game there then did an RPO where you know he uh I'm sorry this is actually the this is the draw the Kylan Granson I'm referencing I guess Alec Pierce but the run to Kylan Granson on this you know drive he rolled out and um, was basically able to just make a quick decision, I felt like. Like, it wasn't one of those things where you got to really see his pocket awareness because he didn't necessarily need it. To me, it was like a growth as far as timing. He dropped back and just, you know, made a quick decision, and it was one, like, straight to Kylan who was crossing, caught it um, on, like, a corner route, ran it in. And then the end around off of the RPO keeper on the two-point conversion was like, okay, this is the stuff that you see all the time from guys who are mobile, you know, whether it's Lamar, whether it's Jalen Hurts, and even like the guys who aren't like super-duper like athletes but can run. Like you could see a Joe Burrow doing this, a, you know, Josh Allen, because the the defense is going to sell out, you know, on the run. But it's like, wait a second, this guy could just go around the edge. And there probably would have been a collision in a real game, but he, it was not like he was not getting in. Like he could have lowered his shoulder and got in for sure. His momentum, his speed, his power. So that was the most impressive overall sequence, but then the, the best throw he had, I'm sorry, throwing people off. So that one was like a, you know, just regular pocket step up, throw it. The other one, this one was like a play action kind of bootleg where he rolled out right to Alec and, you know, Shane Steichen said they had some things going on on the backside of that play and different reads, but I don't know if it was his first read, But it wasn't like he just came out and it was like ball immediately out of his hand. He kind of had to like maneuver the defense. I think he kind of fooled him with his eyes a little bit. When he threw the ball to Alec Pierce, he threw it like back shoulder where he kind of like threw it to him. He caught it and like he just went up the sideline because no one was there and kind of went in untouched. And it was a really good touch throw and a good placement throw because I felt like he threw the ball where Alec was supposed to be going. Like it wasn't like he caught it and he's going straight to a defender. He caught it and was like, 
I caught it back shoulder. I turned around to catch it, and then I'm going off away from the defender, away from the safety over the top. So there wasn't much help there, and it was a you know a brilliant throw and one that got him fired up. And it was one of those things where I was like, okay, that's a timing type of throw, a touch type of throw. Accuracy obviously matters when you're going back shoulder, and that was a big deal. And he had this third touchdown, which was actually his first one, I believe, of the day. It was like a short uh, – and he was doing some red zone work, and it was a short throw to – Michael Pittman Jr. on a crosser, kind of like in the flat, basically. Got him, you know, coming across, easy throw, like, you know, my guy versus your guy, beat him to the pylon type of thing. He looked poised, and I think I wrote about this as well. It wasn't like he had a perfect day because he almost had a, a near pick that Shaq Leonard got, got a big bear paw on and almost uh, reined in. But, I mean, that was early in practice, and he showed no jitters. You know, he came right back and played really well. And was showing off the wheels. They had a lot of RPO things. Because he only threw like, I believe, like eight passes yesterday during the first team sessions. While I want to say Gardner might have thrown like maybe 18 or something like that. Because again, just you have way more balance and way more opportunities to use your legs when you have a guy like Anthony Richardson, obviously. And he just looked very, very poised. He was five of eight passing. Like I said, the three, that was 11 on 11, five of eight and 11 on 11 with three touchdown passes. And um, moving the chain. So I thought that he had a really good day. Shane Steichen said it himself. He had a heck of a day. And I think when you talk to other teammates, they were saying the same thing. Like Zaire was saying, yeah, he's getting more confident. He's getting, you know, up to speed. And, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. was saying the other day, like, he's just stone cold, doesn't react, whether it's good or bad. So that's you'd like to see from him from a progress standpoint, but also a maturity standpoint. So um, we'll probably talk to him again at some point this week, obviously before his first preseason game. But I think he's trending in the right direction. And I'm at the point now where the gap, Jim, in between like first team reps between the two quarterbacks is still 20 more roughly in Anthony Richardson's favor, even though he missed an entire practice. So I I feel it feels like it's trending towards him being the week one starter. Now they haven't said anything. They haven't named anyone. But at this point, I probably would be shocked that they didn't start him by week one unless he has just some horrible preseason showings. But if he comes out here and does what he's supposed to do, does what he's been doing, he should be fine. Yeah, I think one of the most important and impressive things that you said during this is that he just he just doesn't seem like a guy. And again, I'm going to use that. This is a Frank Reichism who doesn't who doesn't uh, ride the wave. You know what I mean? It's just like it's not too high, not too low. I mean, I know you said he was pumped after the touchdown pass, but like it doesn't seem like a guy that if he throws a pick, he's going to beat himself up or yell or he just seems like a guy who's pretty calm, cool and collected the whole time and, and super confident in himself, which. I think, you you know, I don't know who I'm borrowing this from, but you need to be a little bit like as a quarterback, you, you got to be a little bit like crazy cocky in yourself. You know what I mean? That's just part of the job. Like you have to believe you're the best in the world in order to be kind of as successful. So, you know, it was encouraging to hear like what you talked about in terms of the throws that he made. I still think that Steichen's going to do a lot of the, you know, kind of the Shanahan-y stuff of the point and shoot. Like, hey, if, it, you know, if this happens, this is what you do. If this yeah. happens, this is what you do. Like, I think that's going to happen. I think that's I okay. think you need like, that, right? If you're yeah, young, exactly. you need that. Yeah, and again, I think he did some of that with Jalen Hurts. If you go back and look at some of the the early Philly tape, and again, I actually think a lot of it was some of it last year too, but even that playoff game against Tampa where where the Eagles didn't do so well, it was because Tampa's defense with a lot of veterans kind of knew the answers that he was being provided. So it's like, okay, if you can't do A, then B, oh, they took that away, and then Jalen Hurts didn't really have an answer. I think last year, obviously, you saw in the Super Bowl and, and a lot more poise, a lot more confidence, a lot more growth. You know, you don't want to compare one to the other, obviously, but again, these things will take time. So I think it was really encouraging to see that Richardson has taken those steps. So my question for you then is, I guess I have the two-part question. Is, do you think he's going to start the preseason game? And are you at the point, you know, Jim Irsay has said it, Shane Sykin has said it. 
he needs reps. I think Chris Ballard has said it. he needs reps. So he needs as much he plays as he can to get there. Are we at the point where he should be getting all the first team reps just because it's more experience under his belt? And or do you really think that he needs to kind of like prove he's better than Gardner Minshew? It all comes down to like his understanding of the playbook. As long as he's not a deer in headlights where he which he doesn't look like he is. It's not like he's like going out there and making the absolute wrong read. A lot of it to me is just it's a little bit too late. And I believe Jim Bob Cooter talked about that today. Actually, he's like, you know, you've seen you're seeing him get better time, better accuracy. But like accuracy isn't just putting the ball in the right place. It's knowing when to throw it. Like if this guy takes his third step on this route, my ball is already coming out before he even makes gets out of his break. Like that type of stuff you're starting to see more of than, you know, the first few days of camp. And we talked about his poise. He had a pretty bad day, like last Tuesday. He was 5 of 13 passing, and he never – if you had just seen the interview itself, you would have never known. And it's the same way. And I would imagine if we get a chance to talk to him this week, which we will before his first preseason game, there's going to be some of that too. But I think that he should continue to get the first team reps. We'll see if they continue to rotate. But, I mean, it seems like he took a significant step forward. And at that point, I'm like, why would you want to – sort of handicap that or sort of, you know, uh, taper that off. I mean, at this point, give them more because you know already what you're going to get with Gardner Minshew. No disrespect to him. You know what you're going to get. You don't know what you can get if you continue to feed Anthony Richardson these reps. And this is a guy who, again, hasn't started consecutive seasons at quarterback since he was in high school. And so you you have to factor that in. Okay, you haven't played enough to really feel like you can just – ease him into a lot of things. No, no, throw it all at him right now. I mean, they're they're more than halfway through their offensive install, so that should help him settle in as well. Um, Jim Bob Cooter was saying, like, they're all dealing with a lot, but, like, he was like, it's going to taper off at some point. It should this week. And so as long as he's feeling comfortable that way, I think that they should continue to give him first-team reps and also start him. You know, I don't know how many series he would play at Buffalo on Saturday. You know, obviously you have to keep in mind the health factor, the risk factor, but, I mean, I, I would – venture to say personally i would want to see him out there for at least more than one drive give him a few drives th- i would say even three or four if you're not gonna play him an entire half or whatever but even just give him give him a quarter you know if you get a, a good you know a couple of possessions in one quarter give him that because you want to see it you want to see it live and you also just want to see how he reacts to potentially being hit now obviously you don't want to see your quarterback getting hit but i mean this is his first time that he'll be able to play real football since he left florida and I know there's usually not a huge onus that you put on preseason games in the quarterback position because most teams have their guy and their guy has been there for a few years. But if you're, if you're, you know, the Colts, if you're Houston, if you're Carolina, you want to see your young guy at least be around NFL level football, even if it isn't, you know, all first, you know, string guys and all like starters and stuff like that. You know, I'm sure there's not going to be, you know, uh, the first team Bills defense out there every single drive, you know, during preseason but you want him to be able to see it. And then obviously you throw Gardner at Minshew out there as well to see what he's doing. But, I mean, you play him. You play him as much as you can now. And to me, Jim, you play him as much as you can before it really counts as well too. So, like, if, he, if he's going to throw a pick or make a mistake or make a bad read, do it all now. It's going to happen at some point in the season as well. But maybe if you see it early enough, that same exact mistake won't pop up as many times like during the season. See, I love that you said that. You're leading me right into my one of my things I want to talk about was I remember watching last year, and, and I, I don't think I'm surprising Colts fans to know this. I grew up in Chicago. I'm in Chicago. I watched the Bears a lot. 
watch Justin Fields. And I remember one play stood out to me last year. It's one of those things you kind of want to see from guys like Anthony Richardson and Jalen Hurts. And those guys was, he was trying to, he was going about to throw a quick screen just to a receiver turn, you know, took the snap, turned one step through it. And there were like, as his defensive end standing right there. And he threw it right into his arms and he didn't catch it. He knocked it down, but it was like, okay, like maybe you should have seen that a little bit, a little bit later called the exact same play. Same exact thing happened with the defensive end jumped in front of the class and fields waited just like a half second longer and dropped his arm slot, almost sidearm and flipped it over there and got it to his receiver. And ended up being like, a, I think it was like an eight or nine yard gain. It was like, okay, growth in real time. Like you realize what you did to make a mistake. Like that's the kind of stuff that I think you can see in preseason games from a guy like Anthony Richardson It is like, okay, you saw it once you did it wrong once. Now let's see you do it again in a different way and do it better. I'm with you. I kind of think get him as many snaps as you can. I shouldn't say get as many snaps as you can. I don't want to play in a full game probably, but I don't know, a half? Like, this guy needs snaps? Again, you're not talking about the Colts like they're about to go win a Super Bowl, right? So, like, again, if he gets hurt, again, you don't want that because this is a year about his development. But it's not like you're ruining your Super Bowl chances if he does get hurt. So, I, I to me, it's like a snap's a snap, almost almost kind of the same as as regular season. Is like, get him some live bullets. Get him a half almost every game is just to let him let him play. Let him soak in playing in the NFL. And to your point, Shane Steichen's been saying throughout camp at least especially the last few days they've been doing a lot of those call it periods where they'll call the play into his helmet like it's a live game and react based off of what they've just done so that's why he's been putting so many drive scenarios or end of game scenarios because they want to see how he'll react to it like he even mentioned yesterday Shane Sykin that is and he was talking about how Anthony Richardson has to learn how to do the two-minute drill in the NFL you know because the clock stops on every first down in college it doesn't happen in the NFL so you got to run you got to hustle he's like a lot of times where you can you know, kind of take your time and get set up because the clock stops. That that changes. You know, the clock only stops if you want to use a timeout or if you, you know, um, spike it or if you, you know, obviously throw in completion. So that's something that he was saying he was impressed with. And if you can get more of that throughout the preseason, why not? And especially because this is the last week before the joint practices. So in theory, if you really do, you know, get a ton of first team reps with the joint practices, you're probably not going to play that much in the following game. And they they have like that weird Thursday night game as well during the preseason. So it's like, how much are you going to like risk playing guys if you just played and stuff like that? So um, it's a little bit different for them. And I just think that this is an opportunity, at least his first time for him to go out there, get his feet wet and just feel sort of that intensity, that, that rush that comes with playing in your first NFL game, whether it's preseason or not. I mean, there's still probably going to be some nerves, and things like that, but you want to see him out there, you want to see him competing, and I think that he feels less pressure than the actual franchise. I'll talk about this with a lot of guys on the beat. I'm not saying he doesn't feel pressure. I'm sure he does, but I promise you, I don't think that he's shaking in his boots or nibbling on his you know, fingernails, biting his fingernails as much as others around the team, for better or worse, because the kid is just... And maybe, and I've talked about this with other writers, maybe it's because he hasn't had like the perfect career you know some of these guys have never lost like ever in their lives so they go out there and it's like you know for example a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud you know you play at some really good high school or really good college and you've won a ton and then you come to the pros and you're like man I'm not used to this with him he's probably seen a lot of struggles you I mean you saw him a lot last year very up and down year at Florida you know, wasn't, you know, necessarily like like the, the top, top, top class, you know, a, a top recruit in his high school class at quarterback. So, again, this is a guy who's seen a lot of adversity early on in his life. And maybe that is why he's like, 
kind of even kill when he runs into it, at least throughout training camp. And maybe that's sort of a window into how he'll approach it whenever it comes throughout the preseason and regular season. So I'm excited for it. But I mean, I, I'm, when he made that throw to Alec Pierce, I was like, okay, like that was a, I read the defense. I'm lip, I manipulated the defense and I beat you kind of play. And it was against the first team. I mean, they're not letting this guy score. Zaire Franklin is very adamant about, you know, everybody's got to earn their keep here, but he kind of made him pay on that play. So we'll see how it shakes out with the preseason game. And then obviously as we get into more of the joint practices and things like that, where they can build out different scenarios over and over again. But I'm also curious to see you're going up against other people in a preseason game who don't care about like your health and all that type of stuff. So like, they're going to come at you. I mean, there's going to be guys who want to hit you because they're trying to make the team. So that whole aspect of it should be more fun because it is live football and, you know, people will get on it all. Who cares? I mean, it's a lot of those guys who really, really care because it could be their one opportunity to make the team. So if you, if you're the guy who sacked Anthony Richardson for the first time, I mean, that probably helps your resume. Right. But if you're Anthony Richardson, you're like, man, I can show off my legs. Cause we've, even in practice, Jim, we haven't had a chance to really know would that, would that have been a first down or would he even stop there? Or like, would he extend that play? I'm not sure. So a lot of those questions can at least be, Will start to be answered this weekend. I think we talked about that poison the pocket thing is as being one of his strengths. One it's of the real. Yeah. Like him. It, yeah, I think you get to see it in training camp. But I think like again, these guys can't hit him. He knows that in the back of his running, you know, scrambling around from you know whatever if it's a sack or not, like all that stuff. You don't really get to know, and so you'll get to see if that translates to the NFL level. Again, I think it will, but in preseason games and a little bit maybe more in, in joint practices too, you'll see it a little bit more just because these guys are good. Like you said, they're going to be a little bit, they're going to come at it from a little more juice than some of these Colts guys are coming after him with. So overall though, I think reason for Colts fans to be excited. And another reason is the return, and I'm putting that in quotes, you know, of Shaq Leonard. I mean, again, they don't want to get too excited yet, but back to team drills and, and he's out there with the team and, and speaking of bringing the juice back, I mean, that's what Shaq does. So what did you see? In his in his practice and and how close is he? Do you think becoming, you know, you know, Shaq Leonard again? Yeah. So I thought that you know it was a positive sign. Obviously, when he joined the eleven on eleven reps during the Saturday practice indoor, that was his first time doing that since he's returned to team activities and he was able to you know seek out a little bit of contact. He talked about you know how he had to kind of shake that fear out of himself of making contact and making the right read and trusting his body. And then it looked like Sunday, he just wasn't even thinking about it at all. I mean, he was making pretty good reads. Like I mentioned earlier, he almost had a pick on Anthony Richardson in seven on seven. And they moved to 11 on 11. He was flying around, flying to the ball, you know, kind of chipping guys. You know, they're not really fully tackling dudes, but there were points where he was kind of coming in and, 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 and expressing his physicality. Let's put it like that. So that was a positive sign. He's talked candidly about, you know, I didn't know if I could get back to being this player. There were some dark days and you could see him just being very happy and joyful and um, animated and back to being the guy who shuts everyone up. And so I think that he looks forward to that more than anything. It's like, can I get back to being who I once was or even just close to that guy where I can be a dominant player again? Now, you know, he and the coaching staff, medical staff, everyone's been saying treated with, you know, some precaution, you know, don't want to be too like he's back. He's hundred percent. And even Richard Smith, the linebacker coach today, was saying he's not, you know, 100% sure Shaq is going to become that guy again. But he also mentioned that the way he's moving, he's taking a significant step forward. And Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, he said that Shaq probably took his biggest step forward yesterday than at any point throughout camp. And, and so they're getting more bullish on their statements 
he's, I think, becoming more bullish in his confidence. And you could tell he was so frustrated. Yesterday, he dropped a pick because he's that turnover guy. He's the guy who changes games. And so to have him back in the lineup will be huge for them. Now, we don't know if he's going to play in the preseason. I probably would lean towards no, because I don't think that they want to risk it. And, and why not? I mean, at that point. And the other thing to keep in mind here is that they haven't fully cleared him. Not saying like he can do everything. Like he's been cleared in that sense, but he isn't doing it at the rate as everybody else with the same amount of reps. So he's still on a pitch count right now. Uh, I noticed that yesterday, like he was in for some one series and he would come off kind of early before the other guys did and things like that. So they're still working him back in. And I think that will continue throughout the preseason without including the preseason games because, you you know, Richard Smith said it today. They're not going to throw a guy out there who's just not ready for for that. And so they're being very, very cognizant and, and smart, I think, with his approach. But he looks good. And he's already moving better, in my opinion, than he was at any point last year, which is a very, very positive sign. And now, like he said, it's all about like the mental side of it. Can I just get past the mental hurdles of trying to be a great player again? And I think that everyone's in his ear encouraging him. He's encouraging himself. He's very hyped up about himself. But he looks good. And it, it, honestly, from a selfish standpoint, I'm excited about it because I've heard a lot about, you know, the dominant, you know, Shaquille Leonard and the stuff that he did before I was obviously on the beat. And I would I wouldn't mind seeing that in person and seeing what it really feels like when he has the possibility of changing the game. So it's a positive sign for him. And, and to be the leader of that defense, you're feeling like, OK, with everything that's going on, obviously, JT is still the elephant in the room. But the other stuff that they can control to use one of these sports cliches, they're controlling ver- very well. So I'm um, excited for him going forward for sure. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I did get to see some of that early career Shaq Leonard, and it is special. I mean, there are games where he's making 18 tackles and he's just everywhere and, and he's kind of freakishly flying around. But there are other games, the ones that kind of stood out to me, where the games were like, I don't know, a quarter or two in, you're like, I haven't seen Shaq. He hasn't done much. Like, he's kind of just around, not doing much. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he jumps in front of a pass for a pick or forces a fumble when they need it the most. I mean, it was just one of those, like, he just had that incredible knack for the big play. And I think that is what along with the energy that he brought, it was a big part of what that team was missing last year. And obviously it would be huge for him. I think the thing that everybody's got to keep in mind, fans and the Colts and most of all Shaq Leonard is that week one is like, it's like that day everybody's got circled on their calendar and you know, everybody's it's big. I, is he back for week one? Is he in the starting lineup? Like, yeah, it's exciting, but who cares? Like if it's week two, if it's week three, whatever it is, like just make sure you take the amount of time that you need to get back to 100%. If that means you miss a week or two of, of, of games, like, okay, whatever. Just make sure you're back to you. So I think hopefully that's not a thing that they need to worry about. Then in the next, I think, what, five weeks, four, four and a half weeks, he's ready to go. But I think it's one of those things that I think everyone needs to just, you know, remain calm is, is <laughs> and just... Not an it, option. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be one or the other. Again, it's I always feel like it's people, is he going to be back week one or is he not going to be back week one? And that's like the deadline. It, it, you know, he's dead to me if he's not going to be back week one. It's like, well, if he's back week two, week three, great. Like that means the majority of the season and he's actually 100% healthy. Like whatever timeline his doctors say is the timeline he should be on. 
I hope the Colts and Shaq himself are, are taking that as seriously as they can. And I know they will. Yeah, he sounds very much more mindful about that this time around than last year, about listening to the doctors, listening to the pitch count, trusting the process and the patience that it takes to get the coveted reward at the end, like, you know, not seeking out the instant gratification and then missing out on like the biggest gratification, which would be obviously being fully healthy. So, and then one thing Richard Smith even said today, which I thought was interesting, he was like, even if he was like, let's just say he isn't, you know, 100% who he used to be as far as like his ability to move and stuff like that. But he was saying that Shaq is so intelligent that his mind, the reason why he can create so many turnovers is that he's anticipating things. He's seeing things before they happen. And so if he can just get back to, you know, being close to that and still have his mind and still be sharp, he can still have a significant impact on the defense. So I guess the funny side of that is because I'm thinking to myself, you play this to Shaq, he's going to be like, I'm getting back to 100%, you know, myself. You know, I'm not going to give anything, you know, on the shopping board or leave anything out. So that's always a factor with him. But I think that he's using a lot of this to be honestly just more mature about the situation. He rushed his way back last year and it felt like everyone knew he wasn't right but no one could tell him that. And he sort of got humbled by the second back surgery to the point where he's, you know, finally willing to listen to his own body, you know, listen to the wisdom around him. And it's paid off. Like I said, throughout training camp where he's looking more and more like, you know, the maniac. And he said it himself. He said, he watches film of himself all the time. And he said, I think the quote was something like, you know, I'm starting to see, cause he was asked, what do you see on the tape? You watch yourself. He's like, I'm starting to see somebody that I used to know. I'm like, that has to give, you know, Colts fans some goosebumps because the guy they used to know was the man. So, really? Yeah, for sure. I mean, looking at the stats themselves, it's it's crazy to me. I was like, what the heck? Like, until Zaire Franklin, you know, broke the tackle record last year for a single season, Shaq got in his rookie year, and I think he only played like 15 games. I think he missed a game that year. So it's it's just nuts to think about. Like, you were that active from the jump and, and having the four four-time All-Pro you know, a uh, uh, guy, and I think he's going into maybe his sixth season or something like that. So it's not like he's someone who has been around for a long time to rack up these accolades. Like he was balling from the start. And if he can get back to that, oh man, look out because he is one of the best players in the league when healthy. So another defensive uh, stalwart that didn't really have a very good year last year um, and for different reasons is Kenny Moore. Uh, you spoke with Kenny recently and is a guy that, again, I kind of feel like more so than even in his play on the field. And obviously it's very important that he that he plays well in the slot but it is that he just brought that attitude that experience that leadership to the to the Colts secondary which again last year they had Steph Gilmore so that was obviously helpful uh but this year their corners are very very young very 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 young and they're gonna need all the help they can get and so yeah I was nice when reading about Kenny Moore about a guy who who kind of looked back at last year and not to say that again I'm all four guys getting paid and getting the money that they want and it was just a tough year, I think, for him because he had to start out in this antagonistic way with the team, and that kind of set him back with the holding that he had. And then he just never played the way he wanted to play, and then he had the injury. It just was a whole year. I know he just wants to erase. So what have you seen from Kenny Moore in camp this year in terms of getting back to the Kenny Moore that everybody knows? He's been balling. He has been balling. I feel like Kenny makes a play every day that makes me go, okay, he looks really good, really inspired football, but he also just looks more comfortable in the system. And so, you know, if you had asked me three, four months ago about him being in the system year two, I probably would have rolled my eyes like, eh, okay, I got to believe it to see it or see it to believe it. I mean, he looks like he's more comfortable. They trust him more. He looks like he could make this work. Now, granted, it is just training camp. And you're not going up against 
you know, the, the best quarterbacks in the league right now or the best offense in the league and stuff like that. But he's making plays. And I think that him and Michael Pittman Jr. have had some nice duels throughout practice. He's had something with Alec Pierce as well. And they've all raved about just his, his intelligence, super long arms as well. So like he's able to recover. And um, again, he's being that playmaker that made him a pro bowler in 2021 when all these guys were, you know, playing some of their best football, you know, Shaq Leonard, JT, others. But um, I think Kenny was really, really reflective when he spoke to us at the start of training camp. You know, he was super candid. He, you know, he was asking about the, the hold in slash hold out. And he was basically saying like, man, I don't know if that was the right decision. And, you know, he was like, I'm 27. I'm figuring out how to navigate this. And I'm still learning that, you know, this is all a business. But he did say, I want to be here long term. I want to continue my career in Indianapolis. And you could see why, because he's an undrafted guy, got his first real shot here, you know, um, in Indianapolis, proved himself and kind of went from, it was a beautiful story, went from undrafted to a Pro Bowl to last year, kind of taking a step back. So I think he wants to prove that that Pro Bowl is still inside of him. And I asked him, this is before training camp even started, but like when I did a story on him over the spring, you know, and I asked about, you know, back when, he was in like trade rumors and stuff. You know, I asked, I said, is Pro Bowl Kenny still inside you? And he's like, yeah, like that dude's still there. And so he's showing that. And it feels like for as much as I think the secondary will struggle because they're so young and inexperienced. And although I like a lot of these guys' stories and journeys, at some point the talent of the NFL is going to win out, right? Like it's going to show or the discrepancy in experience is going to show at some point. But he looks like he's taking on like that Stephon Gilmore role of being that you know, top dog, the one that everyone knows he's on offense. You got to bring your best stuff to And then on defense, you're always picking his brain. And I even talked to Ron Miles today, defensive backs coach. He said, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, like, how much does Kenny's journey validate the other's journey when it comes to the cornerback room? Because if you look at who they have in there, you know, Darius Rush, fifth-round pick this year, Juju Brent, second-round pick this year, he's back, and he's looking pretty good, too. But Dallas Flowers, undrafted. Daryl Baker Jr., who they call DJ Baker, undrafted. Tony Brown Jr., undrafted. And so when you see a guy who has walked the same path that you're walking reach those heights, I think it inspires, he said at least, you know, the rest of the group. So although Kenny has never come out and said, like, I'm a leader, he's not like the Zaire Franklin type of the DeForest Buckner where he's like, you know, you kind of just, he, they wear, you know, on their sleeve. He's a leader by default because of the experience and what he's been through and his journey. And so um, he's looked really good. It's been fun to see him perform at that level because, again, I haven't seen Pro Bowl Kenny. Like, I haven't seen the guy who, you know, up until last year had a pick in every season of his career. So the way he's flying around, I would expect him to get a pick throughout camp before it's over. If they if they dared even throw his way, I feel like he doesn't get action sometimes because he's kind of just, no, don't go his way. But because of that, you've seen other cornerbacks as well. Like I said, pick his brain and then also translate that to the field because Daryl Baker Jr. has had some moments. Dallas Flowers has had some moments. You know, Juju Brents has been back for two days and he's had some moments and they're all saying that Kenny is a guy that they can lean on and draw inspiration from. He's looking like he's playing very inspired. Now, he's banged up a little bit right now. Got an ankle thing. Doesn't seem to be very, very serious at all. He's smiling on the sideline yesterday. He probably sees a couple days off, but he's, uh, he's more than proven that like he's, mentally in a better space than he was last year. And now it's all about, can he prove it on Sundays and show that again, that one season where he balled out, became a pro bowler. It wasn't a fluke. I think Kenny still got plenty left in the tank. I thought it was a really interesting part of the story that you wrote 
about Kenny was that it's just a different defensive system uh, than the one that Matt Eberflus ran, where it kind of highlighted that star position in the slot a little bit more for Kenny Moore. And this was a little bit different with Gus Bradley. So, you know, he kind of had a little time to learn it. And again, he missed a little bit of training camp last year with the hold in. So that that progress was probably a little bit delayed. So I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that he can be back to being, you know, maybe not as great as he was a few years ago, but pretty close, pretty close to it. It's not just him. Like, it's other guys that are looking like they're more in tune with the system. Even just Shaq himself. Like, beyond the injuries last year, he was moving from being – he's playing the mic now. He's the middle linebacker, which he wasn't doing when he wasn't all pro and all that. So he's still learning as well. Even a guy like Nick Cross, who has gotten a lot of first-team reps over the last few days since Julian Blackman remains out with the hamstring. Nick Cross is looking really good. He's had some splash plays, some breakups. Him and Josh Downs got into a little dust up because they were being physical during the indoor practice. And you're, I mean, there were times last year where you're like, where is Nick Cross? Like, what happened to Nick Cross? And he's showing that he feels more comfortable from a maturity standpoint that Gus Bradley alluded to. He was saying he's just more tentative this year. But also, he seems to be understanding it better this year as well. So it's not just Kenny. It's a lot of that. A lot of these you know, uh, guys who are getting acclimated to a new system and feel better about it because it is year two and the lingo and the expectations and what your job responsibilities are, you feel like you're more in tune with that because you've seen it all before. So I think that they're at least trying to move in the right direction. But again, to me, at some point, just being a realist, the experience is going to catch up. Like you can do all the right things. You can show up at every practice, know every play, you know, do everything you're told. But at some point, this league is going to be like, hey, you guys are really young. And obviously, inexperience does not win in the NFL. Um, doesn't really happen in any professional sports league. I mean, I guess if you count like the NCAA tournament, if you get a bunch of five stars like Duke or something, and you can just throw them out there and hope you make it far. But it's very, very hard to win in football in particular because of so many different phases of the game without that experience. And so that's the next thing that, that not Kenny has to gain, but um the rest of this team has to gain as far as the defensive secondary. But I would say Kenny, you know, again, looking really good. Julius Brents flying around on his second day of practice and, and, and decking guys and, and making plays. He had a nice breakup on Ashton Doolin. He looks pretty good. Can he keep learning? Daryl Baker Jr., like I said, Dallas Flowers. So they're all like moving in the right direction. It's just, you know, at some point, when are they going to sort of hit that wall where it's like, you can have all the heart in the world, but when will like that talent, that skill, that experience kind of weigh out? So we'll see how that goes throughout that first preseason game and then kind of building off of that. Yeah, it'll happen. Last thing, guys, and, you know, feel free to uh, if you don't want to hear the name JT here, you can <laughs> you can sign out a little early. <laughs> no, no, you got to stick with us throughout this. Get the hoodie updates. <laughs> no, I know. I guess I, I feel like it's something we have to address, even though I will say, you know, you referenced it. I don't even know if you said his name, but, you know, no fireworks you said over the weekend. Not like, you know, it was a couple weekends ago. Yeah, no, but Jonathan Taylor, I just got to ask. I think everyone wants to know any updates there. What is Shane Steichen saying about him? I see you tweet. You know, every day is your picture, your obligatory picture of JT at yep. practice. Every so, day. Yep. I'll do it tomorrow. It's honestly like a checklist for me now. I'm like, okay, obligatory Anthony Richardson video, obligatory JT video, <laughs> obligatory JT photo. So everyone can comment on what hoodie he's wearing. But there hasn't been any updates. I joke around with Kevin Bowen on 107.5 The Fan every day about, okay, am I going to be the person to ask the JT question? Are you going to ask the JT question? He usually takes one for the team in that regard. And at this point, it's not even just where is he at or what's going on? Have you spoken to him? It's no, it's not, not much more like trying to glean information as it is just, is there an update? No. And then we just continue on with everything else. And so that's where we're at. As far as the team goes, they did sign Kenyon Drake, who is not just a camp body. I think he's going to be here 
probably for the season, I, I would imagine. I mean, I know there's a crowded running back room right now, but I would have to think that a guy who is the most you know experienced, healthy guy you have right now is someone you want to keep around um, long term because he has proven that in spot situations he can be a serviceable r- running back. And obviously earlier in his career, he was really good. He got tagged you know, for being really good. So great interview. He dropped a Drake quote. I was like, wow, you got Kenyon Drake quoting Drake and because I asked him how how it was to stay ready. And I'm hoping to talk to him more about this. But he not that he was saying anything about JT in particular, but just the conversations around money and playing and all that was so much different than it's been because he's saying, you know, hey, I'm in year eight and I didn't know if I was going to get another opportunity and I didn't have to play. I made, you know, a lot of money. I looked it up. He's made $25 million, you know, before taxes and all that. And he's like, you know, I, I – no people like to count pockets, but I made a lot of money in this game and I'm grateful to be here and I just want to keep playing. And it's like money is the entire reason why we're having the JT situation because he can't get more of it. And he hasn't made 25 million and stuff like that. So no, Kenyon Drake isn't here to replace JT. Um, that has nothing to do with it. It's more so doing, you know, with the Zach Moss injury and also JT being out. But he's someone, again, expect to be him for the long term. And just as a side note, I'm not saying he's going to like call players or something like that, but he's played with Kyler Murray, he's played with Lamar Jackson last year. So maybe there are some things where, you know, Shane Sykin and, or Jim Bob Cooter just ask his opinion. Like, hey, like what worked for your guy? Like we have a guy who, you know, is possible to do some of the similar things as these guys. And, you know, are there certain plays where you feel like this guy's more comfortable? Now, again, I'm sure he's not going to be like in there, like, you know, drawing up every single play on a whiteboard and like this is what you got to do. But it doesn't hurt to have a guy who's had that experience of being with a dual threat quarterback. And so um, that's, I guess, the most positive thing on the running back front. It was just that, you know, he's here, he's ready to work. He joked around about how like, you know, stiff he felt, you know, cause he's like, man, my, he's, I haven't played in forever. And then my first day back is in full pads. So that was even, you know, just an adjustment period, but he's been getting some second team reps so far. Deion Jackson and Evan Hall have been getting, more of the first team reps to start off. Deion Jackson, I would say, is probably the, the the running back one right now. But again, Kenyon Drake signed, JT still out. And at this point, I don't know. And I refuse to try to analyze like the videos and 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 people will say, Oh, are you seeing how he's walking or his body length? It's like none of that really matters. To us on the beat, and obviously for the team, it's like at some point, this pup list thing, it has to be addressed by him or the team because the season opener is not like moving further away. It's coming closer. So we're going into our third week now of camp and he hasn't done a team activity since the last game of the season. Oh, even then I don't know if he played the last game of the season, but my point is he hasn't done a team activity since last year at this point. So you want to see him at some point disgruntled or not show that he's even healthy. Like, I don't know if he's healthy. I know I get it. This might be the hold in, hold out, whatever, but the case, the problem, the bottom line is, at some point, his actual health has to be addressed beyond just his, you know, salary. So we'll see how it goes. But there haven't been any Jim Ursay tweets. There haven't been any agent tweets. There haven't been any JT tweets. So it's been a quiet on the on the JT front in that regard. So I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll say you guys have earned it, man. It's been a, it's been a wild couple of weeks. So I mean, anything else you want to tease before we get out of here? I mean, what you got coming up? And, and man, and I would forward? just say, stay tuned. I got some uh some more JT content coming. I think just weighing in getting a unique perspective from around the league as far as like what would someone else in the fr- like from the front office do or say or think in the situation. So stay tuned on that front. As far as the team goes, obviously I have some features coming up. Daryl Baker Jr. had a great time talking to him about his journey to the NFL. I'm hoping to talk to uh, some of his inner circle this week. So that should be pretty fun. Like I said, King and Drake, 
hoping to talk to him again just because he was so candid about, you know, potentially not continuing his career in the NFL and then finally getting a chance with the Colts because, you know, injuries happened and he kind of got, you know, a call-up basically. And so stay tuned on that front. And then overall, Anthony Richardson watch, you know, what is he going to do this weekend because that's the biggest thing going into Saturday. And that, that'll be fun for us too, Jim. We can finally on our next episode of this podcast break down actual game tape game film and react to what we see versus like a clip here a clip there what i'm telling you everyone including the listeners will have seen you know what's going on with this guy we can all kind of just dissect it together yeah i'm excited i get to see it myself like I, i've watched a lot of youtube and, and, and you know all twitter and all the other stuff on <laughs> anthony richardson but i actually get to see it you know live so i'm really excited about that exactly so for those of you listening thank you for taking the time we'll catch up with you next week on the next episode of upper court top